Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys want your life to be better five years from now than it is today? I want my life to be better five years from now than it is today. Hands down, no question. And it's going to be different for me. My kids are going to be out of the house. Uh, Life is going to be transformed. But five years from now, I want it to be great. And I want to invest in my life now in a way that it can be great then. And my heart for you is exactly the same. I want your life five years from now to be incredible. I don't want you to have to look back with regret. I want you to say, this is the best it has ever been. And if it's going to be that, we have to plant the seeds of having a great life right now. There's things that we need to do right now so that our future can be incredible. And that's really what we've been talking about over the last several weeks in our five years from now message series. Now, whether you're a Bible person, a church person or not, there's a couple things that I think are very practical that we've been talking about in order to to kind of create a path or chart a path to the best future that we could possibly live And we've actually been following the model of the Apostle Paul who kind of laid out his path, his roadmap, if you will, to having a great life in the future. And there's a couple things we've been talking about. The first was this. If you have a great life five years from now, you got to understand your calling. you got to understand what it is that you were wired and created to do. As a follower of Jesus, I believe this, that God made us. He shaped us for something specific. There's something that you are designed for, a calling that is unique to you. And understanding what that calling is is absolutely important to move forward in the future that you want to have. You just got to understand and know what that thing is. And the second thing we talked about that the Apostle Paul also had is this, is he had vision. And we described vision. Vision is this. It is a picture of a preferred future. It's, it's seeing what that future looks like. And what vision does is it gives context to our calling. Vision kind of creates the destination that we're headed towards. So for example, Paul. Paul was a a missionary and a church planter, and Paul's calling was this. Paul wanted to take the gospel, he wanted to take the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. Now Gentiles were basically people in that culture who weren't Jewish. Christianity started in Jerusalem, very Jewish culture. It, It really, when it started, people viewed it as a sect of Judaism. They just felt like it was just another part of Judaism. And what Paul felt was his calling was to take the message of Jesus to people who were not Jews, to people who had no background in the Jewish faith, people who would have had no understanding of the Jewish scriptures at all. That was his calling. He felt like it was what he was created and wired to do. Paul's vision was to, was to execute that calling by going to places where no one had ever been before and communicating the message of Jesus. His vision was to go to places where churches had never been. Now, he could have, he could have fulfilled his calling in Jerusalem. He could have just, you know, gathered the Gentiles who were in the city there, and he could, have, he could have fulfilled his calling there, but that wasn't his vision. His vision was to go to parts of the world where the name of Jesus had never been before. And so he fulfilled his calling within the context of that vision. And you can already kind of see that having call, understanding your calling and having a clear vision is really important if you are going to move towards your preferred future. Again, whether you're a Bible person, a Christian or not, like calling and vision are crucial to, to knowing and going where you want to go in the future. Now today in week three of this message series leads us to the question, what, what's next? Like knowing those things is good, but what would be kind of the practical next step that you would take? And I think conventional wisdom would say that a couple things, really just common sense would say that if you know your calling and you know your vision, the next steps might be something like start to make a plan, right? So get a piece of paper out and, you know, write down the things that are going to get you to your destination 
And then do more of those things. And then maybe write down the things that are keeping you from getting to your destination and try to cut those things out of your life as much as you can. And if you can do more of the things that'll get you there and do less of the things that are holding you back, well, then you got a plan and you can start moving towards your goal. Uh, maybe some of us would, would say that, you know, once I know my calling and my vision, maybe your personality is just put your head, head down and like just start working, put your nose to the grindstone and just like get after it, you know? They're like, Knowing your vision and calling, now the next thing is just determination. That's kind of my mindset. Like, I love just figuring out, like, what, what the thing is, where we're going. Like, honestly, throw a dart at a dartboard, and if it says that's where we're going, I'll just start sprinting towards it. I don't even care. Like, I just, and some of us are like that. We just, let's just go. Let's do this thing. Let's make it happen. And maybe for some of you, like, sketching out a plan isn't your jam, but maybe for you, it's like, let's just run at it, you know, full speed, and eventually we'll get there. We might get beat up and bruised a little bit, but man, it's where I want to go is important. It matters. Let's do this thing. And maybe then there's other of us who, uh, and maybe this is you, and it's like, I know my calling. I know my vision. I know these things are going to happen because they're important. So I'm just going to wait right here until it happens. Like, I know that, like, fate, destiny, I know that God wants this thing to happen in my life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait on God. I believe he wants this for me. I believe he wants this wants this to be my life. And so I don't want to be taken up by any other opportunities. I'm afraid that if I, you know, if I take this chance and I take that chance, maybe I'll miss out on something important. So I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait and I'm going to look for when that door opens so that I can sprint through it as fast as I can. Now, maybe you're a planner. Maybe you're the person who just runs at the wall full speed like me. Maybe you're the person who's like, just, I'm going to wait till I see that door open. I'm not going to do anything else until it gets there. But but whatever it is, I think that there's this single-minded focus that has to be in place uh, for us when we're looking at our preferred future, when we're looking at our dream and, and making it happen. So, for example, Terry and I, um, when we were married, uh, we got married a long time ago. And when we first got married, we had the opportunity to go to Buffalo, New York for a work trip for me. And we drove. Now, on the way to Buffalo, uh, it's about a 12-hour drive, we stopped at a, a skeevy, nasty, like, dumpy hotel, you know, on the side of the road because we had zero dollars. It was, like, probably like a $25 a night hotel, either the kind where you sleep on top of the comforter, like this, <laughs> with full clothes on. Uh, so we stopped there, and then we, we drove to Buffalo and did the trip, and on our way back, we were like, okay, do we want to stop at another cheap hotel like that? Do we want to just drive through? We we're trying to figure out what's the best way to, to head home, and there were two things that were factors in our decision that we had to balance out and weigh. Two opportunities, really, uh, for us that were important in the decision. And the first was this. Niagara Falls was right there on our way home. I mean, it was like literally we'd drive off the interstate, and like five or ten minutes, we would be at Niagara Falls, and we could see it. We'd never been there, obviously, before. So one of the, like, the natural wonders of North America. So that was opportunity and factor one that we needed to weigh in our decision. Uh, opportunity and factor two was this was that that night was the season finale of season one of Survivor. <laughs> Some of you guys were laughing. You're like, I remember that. <laughs> and we really wanted to watch it. That was, so it was just like, we we're like, what do we do? Do you go to this wondrous thing that God created that's probably going to move us for the rest of our lives? And we'll just be like, oh, the natural wonder and splendor. Oh, it's amazing. Or do you go home and watch somebody win a million dollars on Survivor. Now, we weighed it, and we thought it out, and here, actually, honestly, here's what we did. We looked at our vision and our calling, and we weighed those out to make the decision, and we determined this, that our calling as a couple is to watch TV together, 
And our vision, the context in which that was going to be played out was, was reality television competitions. And so we drove past Niagara Falls, we drove through the night, and we got home so that we could watch Survivor. And I, honest to God, I don't regret it at all. It was, it was the right decision. But here's the thing, when it, comes to, when it comes to chasing after your dream, when it comes to making these things happen, um, I think that for us, we think it requires a single-minded focus, right? I mean, we think that if we're going to accomplish our dreams, our calling, our vision, that there are, there are things that we are going to have to drive past. Maybe good things, maybe things we really want, but that we're going to have to drive past those things in order to get to our dream in order to accomplish our goal, in order to live the best life that we could ever possibly live. Now, I would assume that if you know your calling and vision, I would, if, if that's a thing that you get it, you know what that's supposed to be, I would assume that you understand the reality of making that thing happen and it's crucial important. So I would just ask this today. What really is that next step? And today I would just look at the life of the Apostle Paul because We've been looking at him for the last several weeks. He's kind of laid out this roadmap for us. He lived a life that was thoroughly fulfilling. He lived a life of purpose that he loved. Paul lived an incredible life. He left a roadmap for us. So what was the thing that Paul did? What was the thing after understanding his vision and calling that set him up for the fulfilled and purposeful life that he lived? And we're going to take a look at Romans chapter 15. And Paul says this, he says, I'm planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome, and after I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. So just a little background on this, Romans, the book of Romans in the Bible was basically just a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He'd never been there. He really wanted to visit the Christians in the city of Rome. Uh, he was a Roman citizen, and he just had this burden to go like, help them and, and teach them and invest in them. And so he wrote them this letter to let them know of his intentions, and, it's, and he just wrote down, wrote down lots of things explaining the gospel, explaining who Jesus was and what he intended for them and how he intended for them to live. And so when you think about Romans, it is, it's a personal letter from a man to a church. And in Romans chapter 15, he kind of lays out his goals. He lays out his calling and his vision. His calling to, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. His vision was this. It was to go to, to Rome and then go beyond to Spain. And this is what he's saying right here. We talked about this last week. Spain was about as far west as you could go in the ancient world at the time. And so for them, once you hit Spain, you were at the edge of the world. And that was Paul's vision, man. He wanted to go to the edge of the world and beyond and start and plant new churches. And Paul's setting this up. He's saying, this is, this is what I'm all about. This is my goal. This is going to happen. This is where I'm headed. He's clear on his calling. He's clear on his vision. And he's moving in the right direction to make it happen. So what does he do next? In, ch- in verse 25, he says this. But before I come... I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. Okay, now this is a head-scratcher for me, and it's going to be a head-scratcher for you in a second, okay? Uh, Go and bring this map up, guys. Paul writes this letter to the Roman church from the city of Corinth. Corinth was a Greek city. It was kind of a a center, a cosmopolitan center of the Greek and Roman world. Um, It was a, a port city. Uh, It was a city that that was near to ports, and so there was like lots of commerce and lots of travel that went through Corinth. Um, There was the Roman gods, a very religious city. Roman and Greek gods were worshipped there. And Paul was in Corinth at the time. Now you see these green lines. This is Paul's third missionary journey. And you can see he started up here, way in the east, and he travels all through the known ancient world at the time, and he lands in Corinth. And in Corinth, he writes a letter to the Roman church saying this, I want to come visit you. Now, if you take a look, if you keep going west on this map, you see Rome up in the top corner. 
Look how close Rome is to Corinth. It's right there. It's almost like you could throw a rock and hit the boot just across the water. You know what I'm saying? It is right there. And Paul is saying this to the Roman church from Corinth. He says, I'm dying to come visit you. I cannot wait to come visit you. But before I do, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, which is all the way as far south and as far east as this map allows. It might be two, maybe three times as far away as Rome is from Corinth, depending on how he went, if he went by boat or if he went by land. And I'm just like, why? Your goal is to go to Rome and then go beyond to Spain. Why in the world, when you are a stone's throw from your dream, you're a stone's throw from the destination that you want to head to, why on earth would you go all the way back farther from Rome than when you started your, your trip at the beginning? Let's look at what Paul says. He says this. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, which is some of the, well, the map's gone now, but it's, it's some of the, the areas in Asia and in the Greek areas that were just north of there. He planted churches there. The believers in these places have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. And they were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles, who is the the places Paul was, Macedonia and Achaia, since the Gentiles have received spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel that the least they can do in return is to help them financially. As soon as I've delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come see you on my way to Spain. Okay, just, I mean, just rhetorical question. What is the fastest way to any destination, right? It's a straight line. And and more specifically, it's a straight line in the actual direction of the destination that you are headed in. And yet, Paul is going the opposite direction of where he was headed. He was headed to Rome in the east, and instead he went back to, or Rome in the west, and instead he went back to Jerusalem in the east. Paul was conclusively headed to Rome. I mean, this was his destination. It was his dream. It was his vision, his calling to go there and tell people about Jesus and to plant churches. What could possibly pull him away from his calling? What could possibly make him go miles and miles and miles out of his way, away from his vision, away from his goal? What could possibly do that? And here's what it was. Paul saw a spiritual need, and he saw an opportunity to meet it. Now, let me, let me explain this a little bit. Paul understood there's a spiritual principle here that Paul grasped, and he understood that it was foundational to living out a life of following Jesus, this spiritual principle that he understood, and it's this. It's that God's big picture plan for your life will never come at the expense of meeting the needs of others. Let me say that again. God's big picture plan for your life, it will never come at the expense of meeting the needs of other people. It is a spiritual principle. It's a a life principle. Let me me elaborate a little bit. Last week, uh, about a week and a half ago, we had Summer Blast here in our church. It was our big summer program for kids, uh, and we had 90 volunteers from our church, 90 people from Compass who signed up and said, I want to be a part of an insane, loud, screamy, smelly, gross event where there's kids running around everywhere, okay? 90 people from our church said, I am in. Count me in. 
And why? Why did 90 people from our church sign up? Because they saw a need, and they saw that they had the opportunity to meet that need. There's a need to to create an environment where kids could come and have fun and be exposed to Jesus and and maybe begin a relationship with them and take that back into their homes. And they saw that need, and they saw the opportunity and said, well, I can be a part of that. My calendar's open. I can do this. The challenge for us, though, is that as we have opportunities that arise uh, in front of us, often the small opportunities, the meeting needs opportunities that arise in front of us on our path to reach our final destination, our ultimate goal in life, there's these things that we say to ourselves that keep us from meeting the needs of those opportunities, I think. At least, I'll speak for myself. In my life, I've said all three of these things to myself. And the first thing that we, we tell ourselves when, we, when needs arise, or we have opportunity to kind of meet these small needs, the first thing we tell ourselves is this, well, that's just not my area of gifting. I, you know what, that, that opportunity is there. I, it's just not, I'm not gifted in that area. And because that's not my area of gifting, I'm just gonna wait for an opportunity to serve in my area of gifting. Now, I promise you that the 90 people who signed up for Summer Blast are not going, well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you didn't sign up to make a space for me because my area of gifting is cutting up watermelons and emptying trash cans. Thank you so much for not taking that slot. That is just my gifting. Yeah, all the people who emptied garbage cans are like, yeah, you tell them, Chris. But I'm telling you, it's like, we, we, we look at things and we say, well, I'm not gifted in that area. That's not, that's not really what I do. And because of that, we bypass opportunities to meet spiritual needs and, and even just tangible, practical needs in people's lives. Another thing we tell ourselves is, is it's just, it's not my calling. You know, I, I am a person, I understand what I'm crafted and shaped to, shaped to, shaped what I'm shaped to do. I understand my calling and that, and this is not that. Because this is not my calling, I, I, you know, I'm really just going to stay out of that and I'm going to stay in the area of my calling. And again, realistically, like, how many people in our church do you really think would say, working with kids is my calling? Like, if you took this away from me, I would go find some other place and some other way to do it. It's not 90, okay? In fact, I guarantee you, some of those 90 who signed up to volunteer at Summer Blast were like, oh, this is gonna stink, but I'm gonna do it. (laughs) Some of them were literally holding their nose because they were changing diapers in the nursery, okay? But I'm telling you, that voice that we speak, the things that we say, it's, it's, not my, it's not my gifting, I'm not gifted to that, and we bypass an area of need. And we say it's not my calling, it's not who I was created to be, and so what do we do? We walk past an area of need. We walk past something that's an opportunity for us to make a difference. I mean, right now, our kids' ministry, our kids' ministry is awesome. Summer Blast was a huge launch pad, which is funny because our kids' area is called the launch pad. Our Summer Blast was a huge launch pad uh, to just push our, our kids' ministry forward and really just give it some momentum, and we need, and we need volunteers. There's, there's opportunities for people to get involved in kids' ministry right now, a lot of them. We could use any of you, and God forbid you miss out on an opportunity to make a difference in a child's life because it's not your gifting or it's not your calling when there's an opportunity that's right in front of you. Another thing that we tell ourselves or that we say when it comes to the opportunities that stand in front of us that might be small and maybe not the big ones is this. I said, well, I know what my calling is. I know what God has for me in the future. And I'm just, I'm gonna wait for that opportunity to come my way. And if I, if I say yes to this or I say yes to that, um, I might miss out on that real thing that God has for me. So I don't wanna miss that. I know what God made me, do, made me to do and created me for. So I'm just gonna wait and I'm just gonna keep my eyes right on that horizon because I don't wanna miss it. I don't wanna miss out on that thing that God has for me. 
And what happens is these doors open up of opportunity to serve needs and to make differences, but we, we don't look at those. We keep our eyes focused on the door that's closed in front of us, but it's the door that we know eventually we should be walking through. We know eventually it's the door we were created to go through, but I can't, I can't go through these doors because if I do, I might lose sight of this door, and I can't lose sight of that door. You know, but here's the thing, like, this is just me talking. Like, I have no problem with waiting for what God wants you to do, waiting for that big thing, waiting to fulfill your ultimate dream and goal. But like, while you wait, you can pick up a broom. You know what I mean? While you wait, you can go hold an elderly person's hand at the nursing home. It doesn't have to be your gifting. It doesn't have to be your calling. It doesn't even have to be ultimately that door that you're waiting to walk through, but you can do it. You know why? Because it's an area of need that's right in front of you, and it's something, it's an opportunity that you can meet and I mean, look at Paul. I mean, Paul's like, Paul's like, I'm going to Rome. And then I'm going to go beyond. That, I'm headed there. Nothing is going to stop me from getting there. And that's the direction I'm going. I'm not headed towards Jerusalem. He's like, but, but the people in Jerusalem, they're, they're in poverty. That church is in real need. And I'm in a unique position right here to help meet that need. And I'm willing to bypass, I'm willing to walk away, go miles out of my ultimate path to go all the way down here to serve this need. And you know what, ultimately like the tragedy of, of this, the tragedy when we bypass the small needs, the opportunities that God puts in front of us, because we're so focused on, on the big picture thing, the, the tragedy of this is well, let's just put it this way. Jesus talked about this, right? Jesus, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, didn't he? So this was important to Jesus. This is how he thought. And this is how Jesus thought about serving. He told the story of a man who'd been robbed and beaten and he was left in a ditch, right? And then he says that a priest walks by. Now a priest knows his calling. He's called to be like the ultimate leader of the, of the, the, te- of the temple, of the synagogue. He's a very important person. His calling matters. And he says that the priest walked over to the other side of the road and passed that man in the ditch. He saw this need, but he passed it. Now, sometimes we think, oh, he must have been a total jerk. What a scumbag. Uh." Well, he might not have been a jerk and a scumbag. He might have just been thinking to himself, I'm not gifted or called to that. I don't know anything about medicine. I'm a spiritual guy. I lead a church. I lead a temple. And I got to keep my eyes on the prize because if I don't keep my eyes on the prize, no one else is going to lead the temple if I miss it. His eyes were on his calling, and he passed the guy in the ditch. Then Jesus says that the second person walked by the guy in the ditch, and he was, he was a temple worker, a servant in the temple. Now, this is not a priest. This is someone who's just doing a lot of work. He, he's volunteering. He's making a big difference. Maybe he has a vision to be a leader in the temple someday. And he sees the man in the ditch, and maybe he wanted to help a little bit, but he's like, oh, you know what? My vision to be a real leader in the temple like, I gotta, I gotta get to my tasks. I gotta get to my jobs. I gotta stay focused on the things that are gonna get me to my destination. Passes the man. And then ultimately, who did Jesus say helped the man in the ditch? His mortal enemy, a Samaritan. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They thought each other were scum. But do you know what the Samaritan had that the priest and the temple worker didn't have? It wasn't a spiritual pedigree. It wasn't that, they, it wasn't that the Samaritan knew scripture, because he didn't. The priest and the temple worker had a lockdown on all the great big religious stuff. If anyone had a claim to the calling of God and the vision of God in their lives, it was those, those two guys. And yet Jesus paints them as the villains in this story. What did the Samaritan have? 
had the ability and availability to just say yes to a need. All the other stuff didn't matter. What mattered to Jesus when he told the story was that the Samaritan said yes. The Samaritan said, there's a need, I will meet it. I don't care who it is, I don't care when it is, I don't care how it takes me off my path, I see a need, it's an opportunity that God has placed in my path, and I am going to take it. And I'm telling you, God has these small opportunities for us that he puts in our path. And sometimes we get blinded by the big picture dream, and we miss out on these small things. And the reason that's a tragedy, that it is a tragedy when we miss these small opportunities because of this. And this is the main thing today, okay? This is, this is, this is today's message wrapped up in a sentence. And it's this. It's a tragedy because God uses small needs to accomplish our big dreams. God uses those small opportunities. He uses those small needs to accomplish our big dreams. Let me show you how I know that. So the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to the Roman church, right? And then after he wrote it um, in Corinth, he went back to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey. Now, if you know anything about New Testament history, you know that Paul's third missionary journey was his last. And it was his last because when he went back to Jerusalem, he dropped off the money for the believers there. And then he went into the temple to worship God. Now, everybody knew that Paul had this reputation as a Jewish guy who'd been raised a Pharisee. He was raised as a Jewish religious leader who, who became a follower of Jesus. And they have this reputation as someone who hung out with Gentiles. He hung out with these people who, who to the Jews of the day, the religious Jews were unclean and you didn't mingle with. Like you could do business with, but you just don't mingle with them. In fact, Paul had traveled with some of these Gentiles from his, from his journeys uh, up, in, up in the areas outside of, of Israel. And he brought some of those guys back to Jerusalem, and because of that, people saw Paul in the temple. They made this assumption that Paul had brought Gentiles into the temple, which was a massive, massive crime against the Jewish law. Gentiles were not allowed in the temple. But because the Jewish religious leaders hated Paul, they hated Christianity, they hated what he stood for, they were looking for any opportunity to take him down, they started to spread this rumor, Paul brought Gentiles in the temple. Paul's defiled our temple. Look at what this man has done. So word started to spread. Paul gets arrested by the Jewish religious leaders. Gets thrown in jail. Word still gets out. People are freaking out. People freak out so much because they're hearing what Paul did, even though he didn't do it, that a riot started in Jerusalem. People are going crazy. They're destroying things. A riot has broken out. A hit is placed on Paul. There's an assassination attempt on his life because of all this. Because Paul, instead of going to Rome, went back to Jerusalem. So Paul's arrested, he's put in prison, and the, the government at the time, the leaders at the time, they were waiting for Paul to bribe them so, so that uh, he could get out of prison, and so they'd meet with him just waiting for Paul to bribe, and Paul wasn't going to do it, he didn't do anything wrong. And so he's kept in prison for almost two years, just down there, and then finally he's like, this is stupid, this is ridiculous. He's like, I appeal this case to Caesar, I'm a Roman citizen, so I'm going to appeal my case to Caesar. It's like, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm innocent. And you know what happens when you appeal your case to Caesar? Or you know what happened at least to Paul? They said, okay. So they took him, they chained him up, and they took him to Rome. Paul wanted to get to Rome to begin with, but he went back to Jerusalem to meet a need that was right in front of him. That he, he had the opportunity and was uniquely equipped to meet it in the time. Paul walked away from his destination and he went somewhere else because it was the door that God had opened to him. And where did that path lead him? It led him exactly where he wanted to go in the first place. 
and it still allowed him to meet the need that God had presented him to begin with. God uses small opportunities to meet needs in our lives to get us to our big destination. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, those who are faithful in little will be given much. He says, when you're responsible with the small opportunities that I give you, when you say yes to these things with what I place in front of you, God's like, I don't give a rip about your calling or your vision. There's a person who needs right now. And when you're faithful with that, I know that I can trust you with the big, massive dream that I've given you. God uses the small things to get us to the big thing. Now, I know there's a couple groups of people who are here today who are at least hearing this and are probably are going to respond to that. It's kind of hitting you a little bit. And that first group, you're here and you're frustrated because you know you're meant for bigger things. You know that you are meant for more. Can I tell you, I have been in those shoes, and it's probably because of like a deep-seated narcissism that exists in me, but, but like, I'm telling you, you're frustrated because you know that you are meant for bigger and greater things, and you look at where you're at, and you're like, this is ridiculous. My calling's greater. My vision is bigger. Why am I here right now? This doesn't make sense, God. God, I think you screwed up. I think you've made a mistake. I am meant for bigger and bigger and bigger and better things. And you're like, maybe like ministry is like even your thing. You want to be the pastor of a church. Maybe you want to be the pastor of a church that Compass is going to plant someday. And you're like, I can't even get a foot in the door of any leadership here. What? God, come on. No one's willing to pay you to do that thing that you are called to do. And you're good at it. It's a gift. No one's willing to pay you. No one's signing up to get you on board. And you're frustrated. God wants you to know what his message to you is this, is that maybe you are so focused on the opportunity that you want God to give you that you're missing out on the opportunity that God is giving you. You're so focused on that door that you want to open for you that, you, that you're just passing all these doors that God is kicking open. And maybe you're looking at those doors and you're thinking, well, I can see it open, but if I walk through there, I might miss that one, and I'm not going to miss that one. And so maybe it plays out in frustration. Maybe it plays out in your life where you're just, you're one of those people who's just waiting. Well, I know I'm supposed to get paid for what my calling is, so I'm just going to stand here and wait. Opportunity to do it? Well, listen, I get paid to do this. So when you can pay me, call me. We'll talk. I'm telling you, God's presenting opportunities in front of you. And if you say yes, if you say yes, God will use that to get you to your destination. Because ultimately, God is less interested in your ability than he is in your availability. God's less interested in your big list of strengths uh, than he's interested in the open dates on your calendar. And God would way rather use someone who's got zero talent to make a difference in his kingdom and then keep advancing and pushing that person forward and platforming them them than he is interested in taking someone with all sorts of gifts, all sorts of talents, who's completely unwilling to empty out a trash can in kids' ministry because they are called to bigger things. If you're frustrated, look around you. What are the small opportunities of need? Maybe you're one of those people who wait, and you want to wait on the opportunity. Well, man, you can wait, but serve while you wait. God will do it. And then finally, there's there's a second group. And the reason that you haven't really stepped out and served in some of these small opportunities is because you don't feel equipped to it. You genuinely are like, I, I am not good enough. I, that is not my gifting. I'm not, I'm not equipped for that. 
and you're honestly, you're a little bit, you're afraid. You're afraid to get involved in kids ministry because you don't know what you're doing. You're scared you might make a mess out of it. You're scared to, do, to get on the hospitality and greet people. You're scared to go to the nursing home and, and just spend time loving on, you know, these dementia patients because uh, it, it's scary, right? But I'm telling you, if you can step past your fear, if you can step past the anxiety of not knowing what you're doing, God will equip you. God will give you strength. I mean, the compass will equip you. We will teach you. God will give you something even deeper than that, even something better than that. He will give you a spiritual strength that goes beyond any teaching or, or instruction or classes that we could do. God blesses you when you step into, into points of need that are in front of you. Which is one of the coolest things about it, honestly, because it's not all just about meeting someone else's need. It's about God giving you the opportunity to be blessed while you're meeting someone else's need. And God forbid that any of us would miss out on something good that God wants to do in our lives because we were too scared or too focused on the big picture to help someone who's in a ditch right next to us as we walked by. What will you do? Will you say yes to God's opportunity? What opportunities are in front of you today? What are the small things, what small needs can you begin meeting right now today? How can you begin serving others, both inside and outside of compass? What are the doors that God may be opening to you? Because I promise you, if it's an open door, it doesn't matter what direction it goes, it will always lead you to the best ultimate destination. And five years from now, you'll look back and you'll say, I can't believe I did that. That's so not me look what God did and look where God brought me. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for speaking to us this morning. And I thank you, God, that Lord, your word to us, Father, is, is powerful, Lord, whether we're even followers of Jesus or not, God, that the guidance and instruction out of your word, Lord, about serving others who are in need, is tangible and it's practical and it is life-changing. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us as your church. I pray that you would help us Lord, to be people who are not so wrapped up and distracted with our big picture dreams to miss out on the small opportunities that you're placing in front of us. God, I pray that we would be a church that is known for our love and our care before we're known for how awesome and great we are in the big picture, Father. I pray that we'd be a people that are known for how we love and care for those around us and for the people who cross paths with us more than we're known for our big picture reputations, Lord. I just ask in your name that you would help us to be the type of people who would say yes to opportunity, that would bypass our fear, that would bypass our hyper-focus on our ultimate goals, Father, and to simply say yes to what you are placing in front of us. Because God, you will bless us when we say yes. God, and I want every person in this room to, to literally live the best life they could ever live in you. I want every person in this room, God, to live a blessed life, a fulfilled life, and a life of purpose. And God, I want every person in this room to look back on their lives five years from now. And every opportunity that they took along the way, and say, thank you, God, for those doors that you opened for me. Lord, I thank you, and I pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.